The Productive Woman, Episode 293. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, I will be sharing with you my conversation with psychologist Lisa Orbe Austin. You'll find more information about Lisa, along with links to resources she recommends and the ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 293. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander, one of my very favorite productivity tools. Your time is valuable. Don't spend it typing the same thing over and over. Text Expander lets you use abbreviations, what they call snippets, to expand simple things like your phone number, address, or more complex things like forms with fill-in fields for email and message replies. Text Expander works on all your computers and, and mobile devices, so you can expand snippets when you're in the office or working from home. One thing I love about Smile Software, the company that makes Text Expander, is they host interesting and informative webinars every month. You can sign up for their Text Expander beginner, advanced, and teams webinars to learn more about how Text Expander can help boost your productivity. You can find all of their webinars at textexpander.com/webinar. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And it's just, I've said many times, it's one of my very favorite productivity tools, one that I use many, many, many times a day to save a ton of time in the things that I have to type all day long. You can learn more about their offerings by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast and get 20% off your first year of text expander. So again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year of text expander. Be sure and let them know that the productive woman sent you. And now let's get into my conversation with Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin. I am pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Dr. Lisa Orbe Austin. Lisa is a licensed psychologist and an executive coach with a focus on career advancement, leadership development, and job transitions. She earned her doctorate in counseling psychology from Columbia University. She began her business in 2007 after quitting her full-time job because of a toxic boss, which uh, I think some of us can probably relate to. She shared that very difficult experience in her TEDx talk, where she illustrated the impact of imposter syndrome on career decision-making. Lisa lives in New York City with her two children and her husband, Richard, who's also a psychologist and executive coach, and her business partner. They homeschool their kids together. She enjoys spending time with her family, challenging her cooking skills, and crocheting baby blankets. I have really been looking forward to talking with Lisa about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Lisa. 
Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm uh, delighted that we get a chance to talk. There's so many directions we could go with this. As we were talking just before I hit record, uh, imposter syndrome is an area of, of study for you and uh, something that comes up often in the productive woman community and uh, just lots of things that we can talk about. But before we get into kind of the meat of this and and the things that you do to stay productive and, and all of that, uh, maybe give us a minute uh, or two, a little bit more maybe about who you are, what you do, where you are, whatever you think would be useful for us to know uh, as we talk today. Sure. So I think you covered a lot of it um, in your intro of me. Um, so I, I am in New York City. I have a private practice with my partner, which is largely focused on issues of career transition advancement. And we also do diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and also work with leaders and helping them and different organizations kind of maximize their leadership skills. It's been a really lovely space for us to kind of get to be able to support entrepreneurs, women, leaders. It's been a really happy space for us. And um, you know, I'm happy to you know kind of be able to kind of have this conversation about women and productivity. It's uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, well, no, no, no doubt. We, uh, we talk about it a lot here, and I know that you're going to have some things to contribute there. Uh, I want to talk with you about how you are staying productive, what things you do to accomplish the things that, that you care about and make a life that matters as you define it. And before we get into the nitty gritty of that, I think it's helpful for us to have a little bit of context for that. So if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? <laughs> I don't know if there's a typical day, maybe there's a typical Monday, but for us, our days are pretty um, varied because my husband is at our practice three days a week and I'm at our practice two days a week. And then we homeschool our kids on alternative days. So each day feels somewhat unique, but it, it does require a really concentrated focus on organization. So we do have a family calendar, which has all of our practice responsibilities in one color, all of our family responsibilities in another color. That way we can see them separately. We can see them together because our, our calendars are pretty intense um, and shift a lot. So even our kids are used to being on the calendar and seeing where we are, what's happening, because it's just really intense. It's a very tight schedule between everything we need to do in a course of the day. So that is sort of one of the ways we sort of remain organized. We also get, engage a heavy amount of communication about things. So we're always talking about things that are shifting, things that are changing, conversations that we are having that implicate either each other or our children. So it has to require a lot of conversation as well as sort of some digital tools to kind of make sure that we all stay like in sync as best we can. Yeah, I'm sure. And so, you know, with the things that you have going on and, and a variety of commitments and projects and that sort of thing between your practice and homeschooling and all these different things, do you have a, a morning routine that you kind of like or that you follow to set yourself up for the day? I mean, I think I have some basic routine. Like I said, every sort of day sort of feels a little bit different. We do have certain things that are embedded in our, our life. Like we work out three, four times a week. And, and that is still very part of our, the structure of our mornings oftentimes um, is our workout schedules. We also meditate pretty regularly. So that is also structured into our, our morning schedules, but it does vary from day to day. So 
every day is a little bit different. One of the things we've had to really learn is to be able to be organized, but also flexible. And so that flexibility has been very important because things can shift so rapidly in our practice and in our responsibilities that we just have to be able to embed the structure in a, a somewhat flexible way. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good bit of advice for all of us. Some, for some of us, it's a little harder. My husband will tell you that my life motto is we fear change. And I, I like <laughs> I like routine. I like to know what to expect. And so when I have a plan in mind and it, uh, things start to go a different direction, my first reaction is, well, no, that can't work because I was going to do this. <laughs> and so I've had to learn over the years to take a breath, relax, and, you know, be willing to flex the plan a little bit. So are, are you, um, are you generally early risers? My, my myth, maybe my vision of the way life is for those who live in New York city is that they tend to be, you know, stay up late and, and get up later, but that might not be true. So what, how does that work for you guys? I guess we're kind of on the late side. So for many people in New York City, if their kids are commuting to school, they're up really early, five, six in the morning, because their kids can be really anywhere in the city in school. But for us, we're probably late risers. We're probably seven or eight in the morning, and we probably are slow to get things moving. Everyone sort of, I think, needs like a moment of adjustment in our mornings Mm -hmm. before things start to kick up and get into a, a routine. My kids love a plan. So I'm very much like you. I I'm pretty structured and I but I've learned to kind of a little be a little bit more flexible because I can get so I can have trouble shifting sets. So I really have to kind of really allow myself to have more flexibility um, with my schedule. But my kids really also like a plan. So they'll be like, what's the schedule for the day? And so we'll go through the schedule for the day. Um, and they really like to hit targets. And even though they're little, they, they like to be able to check boxes off and be like, <laughs> I did this, I did that. So it, we do really like somewhat of a structure, but I think they are also learning to some flexibility. So things get a little wonky during the day. They'll be like, okay, we have to move this around. We have to move that around. Like, so they're really good at sort of being able to take the boxes and move them around a little bit, which I think is so important for our particular life. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have a family calendar and it sounded like, and maybe I'm hearing it wrong, but that it's a, a digital type of calendar. Yeah, the Google Calendar. Okay. Yeah, Google Calendar is a great tool for being able to coordinate a lot of different things. I I know some people will use Google Calendar and have a different calendar for each area of their life that they can then sort of click on or off to see everything. Yep, that's what we do. Yeah, so that's nice. So you can adjust the view of it to see, you know, what your things are or what everybody's things are, what work, you know, what the work commitments are or just the family commitments or everything all at once. And I think it's such a good tool. You can do that with Apple's iCal as well. Yeah. But Google Calendar is a great tool for that. Yeah, we find it really useful. And as our kids get older, it's it's been tremendous. Because the other thing too is like I can be at my practice and I need to call home, but I can see what they're in the middle of based on the calendar to see whether I should call home or wait, you know, half an hour, you know, because I, I don't want to disrupt their schedule. So it really allows us to really be respectful of everyone's schedule and calendar. So that's been really lovely. 
That's nice. So you mentioned that you you go to your practice. Are you still able, as we're talking right now, um, the world is still in the midst of the uh, coronavirus pandemic and all the activity restrictions that have kind of become attendant to it. And of course, New York City is very much a hotspot for all of that right now. Are you still able to go out to your practice? No, I haven't left my home in, uh, I think it's been 41 days. Wow. So I haven't been in my practice. However, my practice continues to go on, but we do it through like HIPAA compliant video software and, and phone. So we've been doing everything from home, which has been a test of, we live in an apartment in New York City. So it's not exactly like the most expansive space. So our kids often have to, you know, be sequestered into a room while we're kind of doing our work because our work is confidential. And so it's been a quite a challenge um, at times, you know, to kind of make sure everyone gets their needs met um, over the course of the day too, gets fed and all these things in the middle of like, I can have really long days, like 12 hour days back to back to back. So it's been an interesting challenge, although they've been so great at like, I, like kind of figuring out how to find a rhythm around it, but it's, it's not been easy. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and that's a conversation that's been going on a lot in the productive woman community. A, a lot of, of women are having, uh, you know, questions about how to manage all that, about the, the struggle to stay productive when everybody's home, when, you know, everything has changed so much in a household where you're used to different people go away to work, the kids go to school and you can do certain things at certain times. And, yep. and it's a big adjustment that I guess that goes back to the flexibility you were talking about a little earlier, having to adapt to a different reality for this period of time uh, and not knowing when this period of time will come to an end uh, complicates things, I think. Yeah, it is. It is really intense. And yes. And so you do have to really be adaptable a little bit and kind of really not have the same expectations you once had for a life that has changed significantly and has a lot more like condensed space, condensed pressure. Like it's really, it's really shifted things tremendously. So yeah, I think you have to be kind to yourself. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Which is difficult for some of us. We, you know, we have these expectations of how we're going to perform in different areas of our lives and uh, allowing ourselves a little bit of grace when things don't go the way we had in mind uh, can be a challenge for a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. It can. And how old are your kids? They're 10 and 8. So old enough to be a little bit self-reliant, but um, still, when you're all in the house and uh, trying to get various things done, especially work, it it can be challenging. Aside from the the new challenges uh, that are brought on by what's going on in the world right now as you and I are talking, you know, every person's life is a little different, presents different kinds of challenges as far as staying productive, getting the things done that really matter to her. What would you say are your biggest challenges? Again, setting aside coronavirus, what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life, the commitments and and getting the things done that are important to you? I mean, I think, you know, I have like a to-do list, like 10 miles long. So I think that's often, I'm one of those people who likes to see zero emails in my inbox. I like, you know, I don't like to see any notifications. I like to make sure everything's done. And so that is really tough for me to have a really extensive to-do list to manage. 
and to never feel like it ever goes back down to zero. Mm-hmm. So I think that's often the difficult piece for me is that things always get added and, and things don't feel like they're coming off quick enough. And so that is really a struggle for me, I think, personally, is trying to manage all the things that are coming onto my list and feeling like I'm not dropping any balls. That being said, like, I've also learned to kind of just forgive myself for dropping balls. I'm like, yes, it's going to fall. And, you know, it is what it is. And I have to just let it go and keep moving. You know? Yeah. What do you use to manage that extensive to-do list? Do you, are you a paper and pen kind of girl or uh, do you use a digital tool? I use reminders. So I do have a Mac. So I use the reminders app on the Mac because I, I use the Pomodoro method. That is the method. Even my kids use it with their homework. Mm. We all pretty much use the Pomodoro method. So I have a master to-do list as per the Pomodoro method. And then I to help me to feel some sense of peace around that constant ever-growing to-do list, I set my attentions for the day. And this has always been a struggle for me, I think, with that piece of the Pomodoro is I often overshoot the day. Mm. And so sometimes I don't get to my zero, like I don't hit all my Pomodoro for the day. And that can be really frustrating. So I think I'm always in this constant battle to learn and accept what is possible to do and what is not possible to do. I'm always thinking so much more is possible than the day will allow. And so I'm, that is prob- probably part of my Pomodoro process I'm still working through is really allowing myself to do less during a day because then I can get everything that was on my list done, which I think feels very satisfying for me. Yeah. I think a lot of us like that closure. There is a great deal of satisfaction in the closure that comes with checking off that last item on your list. And so often we don't get there. Um, And so finding a way to deal with that and be okay with, you know, the fact that, hey, I still got more done than if I had not had a list at all, if I had not you know, set those intentions for the day and not take an action on it. Um, it, We are notoriously as humans, bad judges of how long it takes to do anything and how much we can get done in a day. Yeah. And I think especially when, especially what we're just talking about related to coronavirus, especially in times where interruptions that are not typically a part of our day now become part of our day. We have to feed our kid at, at noon or one and we have to kind of like think about what's for dinner and like that, that sometimes these have been handled in very different ways for us during this process and to kind of now have to do like absolutely everything yeah. and sort of so keep the lights on has, you know, is really, really difficult. And so what are some of the things that maybe you do to cope with that? We've talked a little bit about it with dealing with that, that reality that you're not necessarily able to get all the things done. How do you, how do you get okay with that? I guess is my question. Yeah. It's like I said, it's still a work in progress for me. I still have this aspiration to be able to clear all the Pomodoro for the day and I, and, and be ambitious about what I'm setting, but I have to, I think still work on that piece. I think the other thing I think is when I get really overwhelmed, I have learned to just be like, okay, day's done. Um, and just like let it go and just put everything onto the Pomodoro list for the next day because I can see when I'm just sort of feeling like I'm melting down and I can see there's other things on the list and I could keep powering through, but I can feel that I'm starting to become less productive and sort of more frustrated and kind of like my bandwidth is kind of shrinking. So I've learned to kind of be like, there's been times where I have a billion other things to do and it's seven o'clock and I'm like, I'm falling apart. Okay, day's done. I'm just going to like chill out with my kids. Like, like have a low, have a slow down before they go to bed and just give myself a break because uh, this is not, this is not productive. I'm sort of, I'm starting to kind of deteriorate and like my productivity. So I've learned to kind of really be forgiving of myself and just be like, 
Day's done. <laughs> it wasn't what I planned, but it is what it is. And, and isn't that so interesting? We There is such a tension sometimes, at least in our minds, between allowing ourselves grace and am I, am I just being lazy? Am I just, am I giving up too easily or am I being too hard on myself? Where's, you know, where's that balance between got to get this stuff done and okay, this is how much time that's left. This is how much energy that's left, you know, time, energy, attention are all finite resources. And there is so much value in recognizing when you've come to the end of one of or more of those and letting yourself say that's enough to today it's not what i had planned but it's enough for today yeah it's something that's so important because many of us who are incredibly high achieving who have done a lot with our lives who are incredibly productive you know women have struggle with perfectionism and perfectionism is can drive you into the ground mm-hmm. because it's never good enough unless it's perfect and you know, one of the things that I'm always working on, because it's stuff that I teach my own clients, it's stuff that, you know, is important to me for what I, what I specialize in, is learning to deal with the good enough. Like, look, it wasn't, wasn't perfect. It wasn't what I imagined, but it's good enough. And I did enough. And I'm, I am, I can be proud of what I've done for the day, even if it wasn't what I expected and be able to move on. But it is a very hard concept when you struggle with perfectionism is to trust the good enough. Mm, Yeah. Such a good point. I want to talk a little bit about, and you, you've kind of alluded to it here, You part of what you do uh, and part of what you and your husband, I guess, together have been have written about recently is about, it's something we've talked about on this show more than once, and that is imposter syndrome. And it kind of ties to this whole issue of perfectionism and high-achieving women who feel like they're not accomplishing anything. Talk to us a little bit about what imposter syndrome means to you and what you see in your practice or in your world. First of all, why did you write a book about imposter syndrome, I guess, is my my first question. (laughs) Sure. So we actually got approached by our publisher um, because they, our editor had found us, you know, seen what we were doing, what we were writing about, and she thought we'd be really great authors for a book that their particular publishing house has been thinking about around imposter syndrome. And it felt like very serendipitous because this has been like the main thrust of our practice for like almost 15 years, but we have always fallen in love with people who have imposter syndrome because they are so high achieving. They are so like amazing and brilliant and capable, um, but they feel like they're not. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things when I'm practicing is like when the person walks into the door and they are, you know, struggling with all these, you know, really intense problems that have brought them to seek help from a stranger. And I'm getting to envision where they're going to be at the end of the work. It's my favorite part of like getting to know someone new is like, I can see the future. And with it, with imposter syndrome, it is like the future's so incredibly bright, but they feel like it's so, you know, it's going to be a long slog. It's going to be hard. It's going to be dark, but, you can see the brightness of their future. And the most exciting part of the work for us is when they can see it too. Like, you know, sitting with a client who's like, I remember you telling me this was possible and now I'm living it. And I just never thought it was possible, but I'm so capable of it. And you just see the kind of blossoming into who they already are. just have never internalized. There's just, there's just something very beautiful about that type of work. Um, so it's, that was what brought us to the work. We just really we live and love this topic. Yeah. 
why I started looking into it and why we did an episode about this clear back in episode 63 is just from my own experience that this feeling of, you know, you've accomplished A, B, C, and D, and every day you're just waiting for people to, to figure out your, your, you know, dark secret that you're an idiot and not qualified to do any of the <laughs> things that you're doing. So imposter syndrome is not, it, it goes beyond just feeling incompetent or whatever, but this feeling that all, whatever success I have was just an accident. I just got there. I was in the right yeah. place at the right time. And w- all these, the accolades that are coming to me um, are just because they don't know. And, they, and one of these days they're going to figure out. Yep. Yeah. So like the idea is that you always attribute the success to luck, a mistake or a relationship that puts you in this opportunity. And so, and that attribution really never allows you to internalize all of the amazing things that you have done and are doing. Um, and then leaves you this feeling of like fraudulence that you're going to get found out, which plagues you and creates like, you know, I think it's really applicable to this idea of productivity because it, it creates a system of overwork mm. and overfunctioning and overproduction because the idea is I must perform at nth level beyond everyone else because I'm covering up all the inadequacies. Mm. So in those cases, the productivity is very dysfunctional. It can be very counterproductive to your long-term work health, your long-term advancement, you know, so it can be problematic. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's really profound. And I, I suspect there are uh, women listening to this and you know, I know there are men who listen to, but it's the show's called The Productive Woman. And so I'm I'm thinking of women who are listening who have felt or maybe are feeling as I have felt and have to sort of have these conversations with myself of, no, you're not incompetent, you're not a fool, and it's not an accident that you've achieved what you have. What do you, uh, and, and of course, I know this is your practice, and we, we could talk about this probably for an hour, but in in a minute or two, what would you say to a woman who's listening, who is recognizing herself in what you were just describing? I would say that there's a way out, right? And, I, and we talk about this in the book, but it's you're never going to never have the thoughts again because they've been grooved over, over you know, decades. And so it's not that you're never going to have the thoughts. They're just not going to run you in the future. They're never going to, they're not going to dictate what you do in the future. And it's about sort of really confronting the automatic negative thoughts about really dealing with like how you deny or don't allow yourself to internalize the accomplishments and the ways and behaviors that you engage in that, that do that. It's about like coming out and telling your truth and telling other people that you've also struggled with imposter syndrome and like, and, and taking the risk to put the fraud, the feared fraudulence out there. You know, it's about doing all these things that counter the narrative that's told you, you are not good enough. You will never be good enough that you're all, you're hiding. Eventually this is all going to fall down around you. It's really fighting that narrative so you can enjoy and live in all the amazing things you created around you, but you never get to enjoy. Mm, I love that. I was thinking as you were talking, I mean, obviously we think about imposter syndrome often in the professional capacity. Um, You know, I'm a lawyer who went to an Ivy League law school and was, you know, became a partner at a large law firm and still felt like any minute now they were going to come in and say, you know what, we just realized you don't belong here. And so you should leave now. Um, Mm -hmm. But it goes beyond that. What, What I was thinking about as you were talking is the woman who, when she has, maybe she hosts a 
I don't know, a wedding shower in her home and someone comments on how beautiful her home is and what she's thinking is, well, they just didn't, they didn't look under the, you know, under the bathroom sink. If they knew that, they would realize my home's Yeah. So they can't enjoy. Yeah, they open that closet. Yeah, yeah. so you, you can't give yourself credit for what you have done because you're, all that matters is it's not in your mind. Perfect whatever, whatever that means. And there's something they don't know. Therefore they're the, the uh, applause, the, the compliment doesn't count. Yes, exactly. And, and that's why people have trouble taking in the compliment. Exactly that, because it feels like, well, you don't know the real story behind everything. So that's why it doesn't mean anything. And that's how you dismiss these opportunities to really internalize the amazing things you do do is, and why like perfectionism is such a problem because it really doesn't allow you to take credit for something unless it's perfect and it will never be perfect. And so that's why the cycle is so intense because you can never sort of achieve what you're looking for. And that keeps reinforcing the idea that you are not, you're not what everyone thinks you are. Oh my goodness. We could, there, there's so much more that could be said about that. I, I would commend to everyone the suggestion that they check out your book. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, to where they can pick up a copy of that. Anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about your thoughts, yours and your husband, let's give him credit here, um, uh, uh, on imposter syndrome and uh, how it affects us and what can be done about it. Getting back to then your own life and uh, how you are, you know, managing things. Aside from we've talked about Google Calendar, we've talked about the Reminders app, are there any other tools that you like or resources that you recommend for uh, managing your time, your space, what, what, you know, making a, a meaningfully productive life? Anything that comes to mind that you've found helpful? Yeah. The other thing that I love and adore is that when I'm working on something with somebody, especially a more longer term project, I use Basecamp. Mm. Um, I love Basecamp. I mean, any project management software, but I super love Basecamp because it really allows me to really deal with the project when I want to. And everything is on Basecamp. Every note that we've had, every file that we have, every image, it just really has been so productive for me not to get caught up in my email and bogged down by all these messages. I know exactly where to go. I know exactly what to look for. I know exactly how to search. So Basecamp has been tremendous for me and a lot of different for me especially for a lot of my marketing stuff so a lot of my website design stuff a lot of my social media management has you know happened off of like base camp and it has been just a lifesaver mm. anything else those are probably my three main ones pomodoro method my google calendar and base camp are probably the three i've experimented with a ton of things but those are the ones that have stuck. I'm always, I'm, I love a productivity tool, so I'll always try something new. But those have been the three that have stuck with me. Good. Okay. And we, and we will, again, put links to those in the show notes in case anybody wants to check those out. Well, Lisey, we've talked a little bit about what what your days are like and the, the things that you find as challenges to staying productive, the tools that you're using that you find helpful. 
you you have what sounds to me like a pretty level-headed approach to getting the things done that are important without hopefully making yourself crazy over it. But uh, let me ask this, it, it, even with all that in mind, do you ever have a day when it, when it just all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? I mean, <laughs> like every day has a moment like that. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I think that, you know, like, like I said a little earlier, I think some days I just let it go and I'm just like, this is, this is not going to go well and I just need to let go. And then I think other days I just take a look at what's remaining and I, 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 I think I've internalized Kobe's quadrants pretty well. So I start to look at sort of, you know, what I have left in a Kobe's quadrants kind of methodology and think about, okay, what needs to happen? What's urgent and important? How do I need to kind of reprioritize what's left? and let go of everything that I can't manage today. So I, I really will kind of take a look at, because I use the Pomodoro method, I know what's on my attention list for the day. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of look at what hasn't been done and then kind of tackle it by using a prioritization method to kind of deal with it, um, whatever must get done, and then give myself also some latitude to kind of not do everything. Great. Good advice for all of us. So Lisa, what's on the horizon for you? What do you have coming up either professionally or personally that uh, that you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the outside of my house. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why the number one thing on my list uh, is to get to leave my house at some point. So I think that's probably the, the thing I'm looking to forward most. But I think also my book comes out on Tuesday, which I'm pretty excited about. It's been such a long time coming, even like just a long time personally coming like I've always wanted to write a book so it's a very magical moment for all of us so that's happening we're do we're doing a companion course that goes along with the book so that will be coming out soon afterward you know I'm just really looking forward to enjoying the summer hopefully we'll see what happens but um you know and just kind of getting to resume some sense of some sense of normality. But I think that's the things I'm looking forward to. I love it. And uh, by the time that listeners are hearing this, your book will be out. The book is called Own Your Greatness, which I love. Overcome Imposter Syndrome, Beat Self-Doubt, and Succeed in Life. That sounds great. I assume it'll be available on Amazon and the various usual sources. Yeah, all big booksellers will have it. Um, yeah, and it's it's a workbook. I think that's an important thing to know. It's like a workbook. We wanted something that was useful and people could get something out of it and have a transformative experience so that they could just dig in and develop tools and skills to kind of be able to, to move their imposter syndrome to another place. I love it. I will be picking up a copy myself. Where can people connect with you online, Lisa, if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing, or maybe have a question? What's the best place for them to find you? Sure. I think the place that I'm, the place that I'm most active is I'm on um, Instagram. Um, my handle is Dr. Orbe Austin. And then I'm a, I'm a LinkedIn top voice. So I'm always on LinkedIn to and you can find me by my name. And I write a newsletter there called The Dynamic Transition. And then I have a website that you can find me on where, you know, I talk about all the things that I do and you know, have a blog there. So Okay. And we will put those links in the show notes so anybody who wants to find them can do that. Uh, this has been great and very, very interesting and, and informative. Before we go, Lisa, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in getting things done and making a life that matters? What would you say to her? I would say 
be compassionate to yourself. Um, that self-compassion, I think, matters so much as you try to, to develop this life that has meaning for you and to kind of work on kind of getting to the good enough place and not, not the perfect place. It'll give you more latitude to be able to enjoy the things that you are doing. Perfect. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're welcome. This has been great. Well, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed talking with and hearing from Lisa. She was a very interesting person for me to talk with. I am so thankful to her for taking the time to share her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters and especially for her insights on imposter syndrome, something that I know that I've dealt with over the years. And, and in my conversations with you, I know that you may as well. Uh, she offered some really good suggestions and encouraging words for the rest of us. And I appreciate that very much. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Lisa or for me uh, or any thoughts on the things that she and I talked about? I'd love to hear from you. You can share your questions or thoughts in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 293, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you would prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to visit textexpander.com slash podcast to check out how Text Expander can help you be more productive and to get 20% off your first year. And check out their informative webinars at textexpander.com slash webinar. Thank you so much to Text Expander for supporting the Productive Woman podcast and Productive Women Everywhere. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Lisa. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.